Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, January 12th, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to be showcasing a couple of interviews with some folks from Marvel Studios for the upcoming series WandaVision. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm the senior writer at SlashFilm.com, and I am joined on this episode by Slash Film writer Huai Tran Bui. Hey, everyone. HC, uh, you had a chance to speak with both Kevin Feige, the head of Marvel Studios, and Matt Shackman, who is the director of WandaVision recently uh, for a junket that Disney and Disney Plus set up. Uh, Before we get into the actual meat of those interviews, I'm curious how your experience was doing these interviews. I mean, obviously the pandemic is still going on. This is a virtual press conference, press release, or, or, uh, you know, press day, basically. Um, Are you sort of like an old hand now? Are you like used to doing it this way? Is it still a little weird for you to be doing these uh, interviews uh, over the computer like this? This is about my, I think, fourth or fifth junket doing them over Zoom at this point. And uh, I have gotten used to them, but that doesn't make me any less frustrated by them because it does, it's interesting about these virtual junkets is that right now after having, they have had a handle on it and they've kind of uh, gotten it down to a formula, they're now trying to really imitate the in-person junket uh, experience, which means uh, bringing back the really annoying part of just waiting around in a waiting room (laughs) with a bunch of people. But now it's a virtual waiting room and there's no free cold food. So (laughs) uh, this is an all-day experience for me. The press conference that we had uh, with the cast and crew, as well as Feige, took place uh, early in the day. It was 9 a.m. PT and uh, about 10 a.m. PT and 1 p.m. EST for me. And then my interviews with Feige and Shackman didn't take place until around 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. respectively. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah, you (laughs) you were like full on in one division that day. Um, all right, let's let's uh, go to your interview with Kevin Feige first. Is there anything in particular that you think we should know about this? Well, Feige, I, this is my first time interviewing Feige, and I had been sort of warned before that he is a very uh, tight-lipped person to interview. So I was a little bit nervous about how my strategy would be to uh, to talk to him and about and how to actually get some interesting and relevant information out of him. So a lot of this is me sort of dancing around trying to get something 
of interest. Um, but uh, it's, I don't know if it will play off like that. Uh, I, I think I was a successful interview and he's a really, he's a real friendly guy, despite, you know, my talk about strategy. And um, I will say though, at one point, uh, I asked him about the inspiration uh, for WandaVision from that the show, uh, the creative team pull from the comics, because he mentions at one point, the Vision comic by Tom King. And I asked him if House of M the uh, WandaVision-centric, not WandaVision, sorry, Wanda Maximoff-centric mm -hmm. uh, comic run would also play a part as had been widely speculated uh, on the interwebs. And he said it was included in a press packet. And I looked afterwards at this press packet and it wasn't. So just uh, an FYI there in terms of- <laughs> Yeah, and, and just for people who don't know and maybe un like have never heard of what these press packets are, basically the, the studio puts together- this huge multi-page document for pretty much every junket, the, at least everyone that I've been a part of, um, where the, it has like tons of quotes and and things like that from the the talent and the creators and all of the people involved. Um, basically, just like the bare bones information of sort of like how the project came about and like all of the sort of typical questions that you see. Um, you know, very, very basic outlets ask all the time. That information has already been answered in, in these press packets like 98% of the time. So uh, that's why we tend to try to, you know, go beyond those very, very basic questions and try to get, you know, something a little bit more interesting out of there because that information has already been presented to everyone. But yeah, as HT mentioned, in uh, Feige must have been like a... a misinformed about what was in that press packet or as we were speculating in our slack afterwards maybe it was in there but then was subsequently removed because to have it in that press packet makes it official and then maybe it there it, it contains some sort of reference to a something that happens in that comic that you're talking about that house of m hd that maybe actually does appear in the show but they didn't want to tip their hand or something we were getting into like conspiratorial mode about what may have been happening behind the scenes there but uh yeah. So, okay. With with all of that out of the way, here is HT's discussion with Kevin Feige. I'm with Slash Film. You probably talked a couple times with my boss, Peter. So yes, of course. Yeah. So it's great to talk to you, Kevin. I'm really excited about this. Thank you. Um, my first question is, uh, you are a professed sitcom fan. Um, and uh, why was it WandaVision in particular, the project that you wanted to be the show homaging classic sitcoms and were there any other characters that you considered for this approach? Uh, no, th this was the only one. It was a convergence of, of many things. Uh, we were finishing the Infinity Saga, which was uh, uh, amazingly uh, fun, but uh, stressful time for me and for all of us at the studios. And I was finding comfort as I had in my childhood with these old shows that uh, uh, introduce a big problem and solve it in 30 minutes in a usually less than believable way, but it still was, uh, was comforting. Um, and at the same time, we uh, had been told about the opportunity of Disney Plus and that they wanted us to start working and thinking about shows for it, which led quickly to um, a desire to see much more of Wanda in vision. We just scratched the surface of that relationship and those stories in the movies and uh, Lizzie and Paul are such amazing actors, we wanted to um, see more of them. And all during that time, there was a, uh, a series called The Visions that uh, was on my desk, um, which was not about Wanda and Vision, but was about Vision moving to the suburbs, having a family. And the covers uh, in particular were 
quite um, interesting, almost these Norman Rockwell Leave it to Beaver covers of white picket fences and, uh, and mailboxes with uh, a vision standing in the middle of them. And all of that sort of came together into, uh, into what became WandaVision, mainly came together because um, uh, I shared just these initial concepts with our executive producer, Mary Lovanos, and then our head writer, Jack Schaefer, who then figured out how to make it an amazing show. And then when you add our director, Matt Shackman, to the mix, who I think was born between, between being in sitcoms as a kid and directing gigantic episodes of uh, uh, Game of Thrones and many other things, was born to, to bring this series to life. Um, so because of circumstance, WandaVision has become our introduction to phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But by that happy accident, would you consider WandaVision a good sign of things to come in Marvel's phase four? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the happy accident part is, um, yes, that our first foray, Marvel Studios' first foray into long form narrative storytelling on TV is an homage to TV, is, a, is something that could not have been done as a movie, only works in this, in this medium. So that was great. Um, and I think, as I think, I hope all of the shows we're working on currently for Disney Plus and all the movies we've ever made, um, try to showcase, showcase an advancement and a progression in storytelling and into the types of stories that we can tell with these characters at Marvel Studios. Um, a black and white four by three aspect ratio sitcom is the boldest sort of most obvious version of, of, a, of a different tone. Uh, but all of the shows we work on, the many of the movies we're making now, I think are all exploring different, uh, 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 different styles and genres. I wanna keep expanding what, what um, the definition of a Marvel Studios uh, um, show or, or movie is or can be. So we know that classic sitcoms influence WandaVision. Are there any shows or uh, other titles that influence or are used as reference points for other upcoming Disney Plus Marvel titles like Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki? Um, there, are, I don't know about other series in particular, um, uh, but genres for sure, for sure, and 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 the buddy the buddy genre uh, um, uh, action genre. Uh, we've, we've said that uh, uh, Loki could qualify in some aspects of a, as a crime thriller. Um, that's what's fun to us about about um, all of these all of these uh, projects, but particularly the Disney Plus ones. That we have the liberty to keep expanding uh, the type of of stories we're telling. And I'm also excited about how unique um, all of our upcoming films are, and all of the upcoming Disney Plus series between WandaVision, Falcon Winter Soldier, Loki, What If, into Miss Marvel and Hawkeye. Those are six very different shows that all happen uh, to have characters that originated in, uh, in the Marvel movies or comics. Uh, so can you tell me a little bit about Marvel's plan for television? Is the plan to approach the series like movies told over a season, like miniseries, or is there a plan for multiple seasons of any of the upcoming titles that you just mentioned and WandaVision, of course? Uh, it's a it's a combination. I won't say which is which right now, but it's a it's a um, uh, a combination of uh, of both of those things, uh, just based on where the story is is taking us. We've already announced that that Wanda's story will take us into the next Doctor Strange film. 
and Monica Rambeau's Tiana Paris's character story will take us into uh, the second Captain Marvel film. So that leads into my next question. Uh, can you tell me how WandaVision will connect to the wider MCU, like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse, Multiverse of Madness, in which uh, Wanda, Elizabeth Olsen's Wanda, is confirmed to appear? Like, is there anything that you can say how it leads into it? Uh, not without spoiling everything. Not without spoiling the fun. Uh, but the fact that, yes, Wanda's in it, and that, um, as I just said, Tiana Paris, uh, uh, Monica Rambeau, um, we saw as a little girl in Captain Marvel 1. We will meet as Tiana Paris in uh, WandaVision also then goes into uh, Captain Marvel 2. Okay, fair, fair. Um, so one thing we noticed is that um, the first few Marvel series on Disney Plus have one director for all the episodes like Matt Shackman for WandaVision, uh, while, later while later announced shows like Hawkeye and Miss Marvel have several directors across the episodes. Why was it important for shows like WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and Loki to have single directors while others do not, or is that just a coincidence? It's a combination. It's a combination of, of, of the logistics of those, all those particular shows and, um, and uh, uh, just the way the stories unfold. And also our own, our own internal um, uh, um, uh, learnings of making long form television which we at Marvel Studios hadn't done before. Um, so I think it will always, it will continue to vary uh, as, we, uh, as we keep making, uh, hopefully keep making more shows. So you spoke of the Visions uh, comic as being a particularly strong influence on the style and the genre of WandaVision. Are there any other comic runs that you referenced or uh, drew inspiration from Oh, uh, for for WandaVision, like uh, it's been widely speculated that, for example, House of M was one of one such uh, comic that Elizabeth Olsen, for example, was given as reference for her character, and that you uh, may have suggested would also lead into uh, WandaVision. Uh, there, there was a big packet I think that was put together for the actors, as we often do, that included both of those things and more um, uh, as inspiration. Uh, uh, as, as with many of the characters that, that have been around as long as Wanda and Vision have, um, you know, some of the inspiration goes back 40 years, 50 years um, uh, as inspiration. And then more recently uh, uh, with the two that you named. So it's a, it, as with the best of our, of our um, uh, stories, we pull inspiration from various uh, storylines and eras of the characters to, to build something uh, uh, new. So we've spoken a bit about um, future projects that you are involved with uh, under the Disney umbrella. Uh, and I wanted to ask, I don't know if you'll be able to answer this, but yes. can you tell us anything about the uh, Star Wars movie that you're reported to be uh, developing? Uh, no, no, and everything that's been heard about so far, all um, uh, rumors and leaks, and Disney's very, very good about official announcements as you saw at our invest investor day. Disney is not shy about making things official when there are things to be made official. Uh, and there were a lot of things made official then, just that wasn't one of them. All right, well, that is all I have to ask. I'm really excited about WandaVision after having seen the first three episodes and um, excited for the future projects from Marvel that'll be coming to Disney Plus as well. Thank you. Thanks so much. Good seeing you. Say hi to Peter for me. I will, let him know. Have a good one.
Yeah, that was great, HC. I don't think there was anything. Uh, you didn't sound too nervous in that, for <laughs> to my ear anyway. So <laughs> I think you did well. Thanks. So now we're going to go to your interview with Matt Shackman, who is the director of WandaVision. And I think he directed every episode of this show. Is that right? Yes, he did. And there was some interesting trivia that came out of the press conference earlier that day, uh, which was moderated by Jaleel White, uh, who had said that he and uh, Matt Shackman had acted together. Matt Shackman had a, a history acting as a child star in sitcoms back in the 80s and 90s. And he and Jaleel White had both starred in the predecessor to Saved by the Bell before it was retooled as that iconic uh, sitcom. So, and- Wait a second, wait a second, HD. Jaleel White, as in the guy who played Steve Urkel on Family Matters, was yeah. the moderator of the press conference for this? <laughs> he was. And wow. when he introduced himself, he said, yes, I, I'm sure you're wondering why Jaleel White is is moderating a a conference on a a Marvel series, but I have a reason. And, you know, the show itself pays deliberate homage to the uh, American sitcom ranging from the 50s to the 90s. And Jaleel White, of course, is one of, is an iconic sitcom staple from Family Matters. So um, it's, but hearing about that, uh, the connection that he and Matt Shackman shared uh, made Matt Shackman's, um, connection to WandaVision even more strong, I think. And that was something that I asked him about during our interview. All right. And here is that interview right now. Your background acting in sitcoms has been brought up. Uh, as a sitcoms, as an actor in sitcoms like Facts of Life, Different Strokes, etc., did it feel serendipitous when you were approached by Marvel to direct a sitcom-inspired comic book show? It really did. Yeah, it was a trip down memory lane especially because we shot some of the stuff for WandaVision on the actual lot where I shot um, this show, Just the Ten of Us, for for three years. And I would skateboard down Blondie Street, which is the name of this little sitcom street they have at the Warner Brothers Ranch, where the Partridge Family House is and the Bewitched House and the I Dream of Genie House. And I remember doing that when I was 11, 12 years old. So strange to be back directing this Marvel show um, on that very same street years, years later. Um, so uh, you and Jack Schaefer were both sent to sitcom school ahead of WandaVision. Um, while you were going through this uh, intensive homework, uh, which classic sitcom stuck out to you the most in your research for the show? Gotcha. Yeah, no, we didn't. We didn't go off to sitcom boot camp ourselves. Um, we did a lot of research, and obviously, in building the world, maybe uh, you heard we did sitcom boot camp with the actors for a couple of weeks before we started shooting, where we got together and watched lots of television reference and studied how people moved and spoke in different eras, um, just so we could try to match the tone and the style of each thing. Um, but yes, we looked at everything. We were. It was the best kind of homework, you know, to to go watch old episodes of amazing television shows like Dick Van Dyke and Bewitched and I Love Lucy and I Dream of Jeannie, especially, you know, I Dream of Jeannie and Bewitched because they're about a magical person trying to hide their abilities from their suburban neighbors. And, and that was very much what we were trying to do. Um, so obviously you set up on not only the visual style, the classic sitcoms, but their narrative and comedic beats. Did you have to change the way that you directed or approached a scene based on these classic sitcom styles? Like, did you have to kind of rethink the way uh, you thought of a scene in your head? 
Definitely. It felt like I was changing my approach every single day on WandaVision because no day was like another. We would be in the 50s and then the 70s and then some big Marvel action set piece. And that was the joy of the show. And I think it was the same joy for the actors as well, that no day was really like another. And, you know, uh, whether 50s with the, the way that they moved and sounded in, in versus, you know, what they're like in their MCU world uh, persona. So we had a lot of fun adapting to it. And yeah, I mean, sometimes when you're when you're organizing a, a live taping of a sitcom, which is what we did for episode one of the show, versus doing green screen work with people on wires or whatever, um, they are very very different. They require a completely different skill set. But it felt like you know, uh, drawing on my experience as a sitcom actor, um, drawing on my experience as a theater director, made that live taping work, and then drawing on my work, you know, in Game of Thrones, that kind of thing, to understand how to corral some of these larger set pieces. So it was great. I got to use every tool in my toolkit. Uh, was there ever a point where you had to draw the line at sort of slavishly uh, paying homage to classic sitcoms in order to better or more properly service the story? Well, we, you know, we were never slavishly recreating any one particular show. We, we studied lots of different things, but ultimately this is WandaVision. This is, this is our show and we wanted it to be informed by the style of each era, but um, we wanted first and foremost to be telling our story, which is this wonderful little mystery meets love story meets thrilling sort of adventure. Um, and that was the, the governing thing. And, and the thing that kind of pulls everything together and that holds it together is this love story between Wanda and Vision. So um, the show uh, noticeably switches up visual styles whenever something goes wrong in Wanda's illusion. You referenced in the press conference uh, drawing inspiration from the Twilight Zone uh, for this change up, but were there any like specific techniques that you used to alert the viewer to this change, um, either like cinematography wise or in other um, you know, visual references? Definitely. You know, there are some changes that happen in, in the first episode as well as the second episode that you're referencing where we kind of move into a Twilight Zone territory. And we do a lot of work with sound design. We do a lot, a lot of work with lenses and lighting to change the mood um, and to change the feel, especially when you're it's it's very dramatic when you're moving from a multi-camera sitcom that's being done very proscenium, almost like a theater show. And, and the shots are all sort of from just outside the set to when you go inside and all of a sudden you're, you're in the sort of emotional experience of the people. Um, that has a dramatic impact on it. And obviously a fourth wall appears as well. And now you're seeing the room in the way you never would have seen it um, if it was just a multi-camera sitcom. I'm curious, for the live audience that you used in the first episode, were they present for those kind of visual stylistic changes or is that something that you shot very much in a traditional uh, sort of dr drama manner? We shot the entire show in front of the live studio audience and then we also went back later and, and did additional shooting for um, those departure moments, yeah. Um, so one of the things that really uh, struck back out to me when watching these three episodes was uh, how um, talented of a comedian Paul Bettany was. Uh, he talked about channeling Dick Van Dyke, but he turned out to have a surprising talent for physical comedy and classic uh, sitcom style timing uh, of what we've seen so far. Did you discover any hidden talents or hidden skills like that from the cast uh, as with Bettany as you went into production for the show? 
I've been fans of all of these actors for years and I've known Catherine Hahn for a long time. I've worked with Tiana Paris before. I hadn't worked with Paul and Lizzie before, but I've been a fan of their work and I knew they were great. I knew they could do all sorts of different things. Um, and Paul and Lizzie both come from the theater and, and in theater you're asked to do lots of different things. But I was blown away by how good they both were with comedy and they're fearless and they're brave. And that's so much fun to watch. They're willing to take crazy risks and make fools of themselves in the best way. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a huge discovery um, when we started rehearsing and then shooting just how great they really are at physical comedy. Um, I'm curious, are there any Easter eggs or references to other sitcoms or even other like pieces of pop culture that are hidden throughout the show that other than the obvious inspirations that we see, like I Dream of Jeannie, Bewitched, I Love Lucy, et cetera, either that came about uh, organically or the, that were part of the script that you kind of just wanted to uh, put, like, put in to for maybe audiences who are familiar with those kind of things? Yeah, well, there definitely are a lot of Marvel Easter eggs and some sitcom Easter eggs throughout, um, comic book Easter eggs. Um, you know, part of that is just, it's just fun as we build the, the world and draw from our research. And part of it is actual little pieces of evidence as you build this puzzle and solve this mystery. Um, but yeah, they're, they're in there and I hate to, hate to draw attention to them so that people can have the joy of finding them themselves. So as uh, an actor, well, when you were acting, uh, someone who was very predominantly in the uh, 90s uh, sitcom, was there a an era that you particularly uh, really enjoyed being in, uh, in terms of that classic sitcom homage? Uh, was it 90s or was there anything else that you were like very excited to tackle? Well, it's funny, yeah. No, I have direct personal connection to being in an 80s uh, multi-camera sitcom. Obviously, I did a lot of those as an actor. And then I, I know what it's like to direct comedies from the aughts, you know, and so some of the shows that, you know, that I have directed professionally, you know, those are, are shows that I know sort of how to bring about because I've done them already. So that sort of was in my toolkit already. Um, but so the most fun for me was doing the shows that I had no personal connection to, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, shows that were sort of just ahead of my time. Um, and especially doing the live show was really fun because it's just like theater. I direct a lot of theater and it's just fun to have that energy from the crowd and to see how much it can affect and change the performance. Was it fun being on the other side of the camera to have during that live audience uh, type of situation? Because that must have been a bit bit of a difference for you. Yeah, when I was a kid, I liked to hang out with the, the camera operators and the director and be in the control room and see them calling shots. And uh, so I always thought about maybe moving into directing. So it was fun to finally find myself, uh, you know, behind the camera on a, a, a multi-cam sitcom. Because I have not done those as a director. Um, so that was, that was a lot of fun. All right, uh, I think that's all I have. Uh time to ask today but thank you so much for speaking with me and i hope that uh, this whole junket cycle today has been has been you know a good experience absolutely thank you thank you very much thank you have a good one you too ht i, I have to ask you do you think that there's any way that we're going to see paul bettany uh with his pants pulled up to his waist and doing a uh, a steve urkel impression by the time the show is over <laughs> You know, from what I've seen uh, of WandaVision so far, which is the first three episodes, Paul Bettany showed a surprising talent for uh, 
physical comedy. And I wouldn't be surprised if he went so far as to do that because he even puts on during the 70s era of the uh, show uh, a long wig, which he pulls off. But, um, you know, he's great at the physical comedy. He's he's down for it. So maybe he would do that. <laughs> well, we'll have to find out. WandaVision premieres on Disney Plus on January 15th, so you can check it out there. And you can find, uh, if you want to read these interviews, we'll link them in the show notes, and you can find a ton more about WandaVision at SlashFilm.com. Uh, HD, where can people find you on the internet if they want to track you down? You can find me writing every day at SlashFilm.com, and I'm on Twitter and Instagram at HTranBooey. Excellent. And you can find me writing at SlashFilm.com as well. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ben Pears. And you can find this pop, uh, this podcast published multiple times a week, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features that you can find on the site. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps, and send your feedback, questions, comments, and concerns to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow.